0: Help keep Kinks and Beats Daily alive with a $4 monthly contribution and receive exclusive bonus episodes as our thank you to you. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more details. Welcome, 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 hello. Thank you for downloading. This is episode number 200 kinks and beats daily i am your host as always tony fry thank you for downloading thank you for listening for 200 episodes if you're new here um there's quite a lot of back catalog to go through if you've been with me for a while thanks for um sticking around and enduring these delays in new episodes every now and then you know uh having a baby in a pandemic while trying to do this might have uh slowed things down a little bit but we're still committed we're getting these episodes done and um we have a lot more music to go 200 songs covered in uh what's going to end up being like a 5000 episode podcast so we are just scratching the surface but you know 200 is a nice round number and that's it's always cool to commemorate such things today we're talking about a song called Back in the Day by Ray Davies so probably not the song you all anticipated the 200th episode being, but like I mentioned before, it's all random. Uh, The tune was released uh, June 29th, 2018. So a fairly recent one on his album, uh, Our Country, Americana Act Two. So this was a sequel album. And uh, Ray on this track and the entire album is backed up by the band, the Jayhawks. Um, And this is a beautifully produced track. Say what you will about the album as a whole. and. And I'm kind of mixed on it because I think there's some fantastic music, but kind of like the concept albums um, of the seventies, I do think sometimes it gets a little bit, um, the flow of the album gets a little bit um, hampered by, you know, this, this narrative that Ray's delivering. So, but that's, we'll save that for when I talk about the, the full album, but say whatever you want, whether you like the songs on it or not, Uh, because this is kind of a different style for Ray, the production on this album is phenomenal. You know, I say it a lot. Um, I'm thinking of having t-shirts made. Crank it up loud in your headphones, because it's really, there's a lot of acoustic instruments. So acoustic instruments, when they're recorded correctly, already um, sound good when you're doing a, a headphone listen. You know, they, they, if they're done, you know, crisp and clean and you know, well separated in the studio, acoustic stuff is is incredible. And this album is just masterfully recorded. I love listening to these tracks, even the ones that I don't particularly care for, um, just as songs. You know, I love listening to the sound and the feel of this album. This track opens with kind of a 50-style electric guitar intro. Which you know, hints at the lyrical content. And then goes after that goes straight into an acoustic blues, um, with some fantastic backing vocals. Everything about this song vocally, I like Ray's very kinda quiet, subdued vocal. You know, he's kinda doing this uh back in the day dun, dun, right. He's kinda whispering the song almost. And because it's an acoustic driven track, it you know. It works. Um, but the back ring vocals on this sound incredible too. And uh, uh, it's just a, a straight 12-bar blues for the first two verses. And then Ray breaks from that 12-bar pattern. And, and that's just, you know, one, four, one, five, four, one. You know, that it's just very standard. Early rock, all of them were, were done like this. Not super common for Ray to pull out a 12-bar. Um, as we've discussed before, and we'll continue to discuss, the Kinks and the Beatles have um, remarkably few just straight-ahead twelve-bar songs. For a form that was basically every song that inspired them was a twelve-bar blues. Um, they didn't stick to it very often, and he doesn't stick to it here very long either. He kind of goes into a twist and shout kind of um, breakdown. Uh, you know, when they do the when they sing the arpeggiated chords. So, like he's playing an E chord, and he's just singing the the notes. E, G sharp, B, D, it's an E7 chord. Um, And then he throws in one little chord in there. And really, it's the only chord in the entire song that doesn't belong in the song. And it's it's exactly when you hear it, you think, well, that's a Ray Davies tune. So it's it must be a chord he's used a lot, um, and we'll probably dig more into it, but we'll talk about it in a minute. But there's one chord in there, and that's the the hook of the whole song for me. Somehow, this song clocks in at 2 minutes and 41 seconds, uh, but contains enough content to be a a three-and-a-half-minute song. You know, you've got a little bridge. You've got uh, a breakdown. You've got a short little guitar solo. I wouldn't mind hearing it longer. So it's got the contents of a much longer song, but uh, still leaves you wanting more. You know, it's it's not even three minutes long, but I kind of want it to be closer to four minutes than three minutes, which, you know, is a good mark. We, we could say he should have added another verse or extended the guitar solo, but then you might be thinking, well, this song doesn't work at three and a half minutes, you know. So I'm uh, reluctant to suggest to anybody lengthen a song, you know, go with your first instinct. But this one's got so much packed into it and there are so many good little hooks in there that you don't really get tired of it in those three minutes. Uh, the lyrics of the song touch on a common theme for Ray, focusing mostly on the nostalgia of his youth. But here he's focusing it mostly on like the music and movies that he used to love. In particular, he name checks um, Hank Williams and Chet Atkins, a couple country stars, Eddie Cochran, an early uh, rock rockabilly kind of guy, uh, pop jazz singer, K Starr, who sang her big hit was a, uh, Wheel of Fortune, which he, he name checks that song specifically, um, and then he mentions big band, honky tonk, and Dixieland, essentially delivering a list of the influences that have shaped his entire career. You know, he's he's sitting here talking about country, Dixieland, jazz, honky tonks, rock and roll. Well, that's Ray Davies' entire palette for songwriting. Um, so that's the main focus of the lyrics. They're good lyrics. You know it delivers the point, and uh, and I like I like the way he he delivers them vocally, but they're not not his best, not his worst. The bulk of the song, like I mentioned, is a standard blues twelve bar in E. Um, and for that little twist and shot bridge that I mentioned, um, after he does the E seven chord. That's just an E, G sharp, B, D, just literally climbing the the four notes of that chord. The band jumps to an A7 chord, and he starts climbing it there. And so it's an A, a C sharp, and it would be an E. And instead of going E to G, which would be what most songwriters would do because it mimics what he did on the A, uh, or on the E chord, When he gets to the E in the A chord, and I know this is getting kind of confusing. So where he would hit A, C sharp, E, instead of staying on the A chord, he goes back to the E chord. So he's doing, right? So he's on the E, and then he switches, and this is the chord, a C sharp 7. And then an A, B seven, so that's just a four-five. So what he's doing, he's playing a one chord, four chord, one chord, nothing crazy there. Then a major six, seventh chord, so a dominant six. That doesn't exist. And then a four, five, one. So that one chord, that dominant six, is the hook of this song for me. Um, because it should be a minor chord, right? C sharp is a minor chord in the key of E. So if he were to do it diatonically, that's still pretty, right? But it doesn't have the same hit as is that C-sharp 7. Um, and if it was minor, it shares two notes with the tonic. But by making it a major chord, it creates this chromatic tension. Because um, the chord hits, so the C-sharp 7 chord, you got a C-sharp, E-sharp, G-sharp, and a B, natural. Um, your tonic, the E major chord, is E, G-sharp, B. So we've got a G sharp and a B in common between these two chords. But then by making this the major chord, it instead of having an E, you've got that E sharp. So we've got we've got this note that leads to this note. It's just a half step higher. Right? And then um, uh, you've got the G sharp which is part of the tonic chord, so that note stays the same. You've got a C-sharp, which is a whole step above the fifth. So now what we're doing is we've got this. We've got this, uh, this chromatic tension. Instead of having... Uh, what would it be? Having that kind of constant note there. So that C-sharp, that's the, that's the interval right there. That C-sharp and the E-sharp, that's what makes this, this hook so cool. Because that E-sharp doesn't belong in this key. And in fact, this whole chord is completely borrowed from nowhere. It just comes from space. Um... And then we've got the seventh on this, uh, which is the B natural, which is also a common tone for the tonic. So you, now we've got two notes in common with our one chord, and then two notes that are being pulled very close to other tones in the in the one chord, whether it's a whole step or a half step. Um, and the chord, like I said, it comes from nowhere. I mean, technically, it's the five chord of the harmonic minor of F sharp, which is sort of the two um, but to make that argument, you have to make some pretty major changes. Like you can't call it a five of two because a five of two would still be a minor chord. Um, it's only a five chord of the relative major to the two. So I mean, or to the um, harmonic minor, which is an altered minor scale. So I mean, it's it's really a chord unto itself um, harmonically. Other than that, it's not much to this song. It's just a well-written piece of American Roots music, expertly performed and recorded. I can't can't stress this enough. The recording sounds fantastic. You have to listen to it on headphones. If you're not hip to this song, um, go check it out. This is probably my favorite track off this album, which is, I'm sure, something um, that I'll make that claim for another song. I may have already, actually, off this record, but it's my podcast, and I'm allowed to claim as many favorites as I like. And like I said... Um, I wish it went on just a little bit longer. Then it would be the undisputed favorite, I'm sure. So that's uh, back in the day for our 200th episode. Again, thank you all for sticking with me and and enjoying the podcast. If you um, like it, please leave five-star rating and review on iTunes so that more people can find it. And if you really like it, consider donating $4 a month um, just to help us keep the lights on, help us... um, You know, that costs hosting fees for the podcast, and uh, there's some recording fees and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it helps a ton. And um, we give you early access to some bonus episodes if you do that. So, with that, I bid you farewell. Um, Find me on Facebook, Kinks and Beats Daily, Uh, the group. Find us on Twitter at Kinks and Beats. Email me, call me, whatever you want to do. You can find all the information you need at herohabit.com. All right. Thank you so much. Here's to another 200. Take care. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com, collect your heroes.